Hello, and welcome to another episode of All of Them Witches. I'm your host, Marcus, here to chat yet again about horror movies, of course. So for this episode, I actually finally got to watch a movie that's been on my list for quite a while. And that movie is Butcher Baker, Nightmare Maker, sometimes also known as Night Morning, from 1982. Um, so I'll get to that shortly, but before that, I just wanted to mention some movies I watched since the last episode. And those include Alligator, which is a movie about a alligator that is gigantic living in the sewers and then sort of breaks free. And then I watched Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Uh, definitely not my normal type of movie, but I thought the concept seemed cute, so I watched it. Um, about these two, quote, older women who are from a small town and they go out to Miami, or not Miami, but they go to Florida for the first time. And that's like the first trip they've ever made, like, out of a small town. But that's not all it is. I didn't realize this, but from the very intro, it's also a story about, like, just so happens that this supervillain is planning to destroy that Floridian, Floridian town because of some reason, and I really didn't care for that aspect. Also, it, I don't know. It was not an amazing movie to me. There were some humorous moments, but it could have been much better. I hoped for more as a comedy anyway. Then I watched Edge of Seventeen, which is not a movie called The Edge of Seventeen, which is from the last couple of years. This is an older film, and it is about a young gay man trying to come to terms with his sexuality, trying to understand what it is, potentially trying to hide, you know, that from people, and then finally coming to a place of acceptance. I thought that was a really good movie, like extremely good, very heartfelt. It felt real. It didn't feel, I don't know. It didn't feel like it was trying to be preachy or anything, um, trying to depict the gay community as something either negative or positive. It was just kind of like, here's a story. You know, it's like very much 80s style, though I think it was uh, made in the 90s, but it's got that, because it's set in the 80s, but it's got a real 80s flair about it that I appreciate. And I would recommend The Edge of 17. I would definitely recommend it, though I don't know if it's easy to access these days. It's probably not on the streaming. I don't know. So good luck finding that. Uh, the best thing about this movie, which is a general generalized spoiler, but not really a spoiler, is that it is not a tragic ending. Of course, anyone who watches gay film knows that many of them have highly tragic endings. Death of one person, two people, everyone. You know, um, this is not that, and I'm very glad that it wasn't like that, because that is tiring. So yeah, definitely a good film. I would definitely recommend people watch Edge of Seventeen. Then I watched Without Warning, which is a TV movie presented as a news broadcast, an evening news broadcast where spontaneously a meteor, uh, three meteors or one has broken into multiple pieces and they have all crash landed on Earth all at the same time, all in very specific locations, which makes it seem a little odd that this would just, that this was purely kind of random chance. 
But uh, the movie proceeds from there as the newscasters try to figure out more information, as more details come out, as things start happening that are strange. Um, it's pretty cool. It's not my favorite of these um, fake newscast movies, but it is pretty good. I definitely enjoy that style of filmmaking. I think it's really cool and interesting. Um, if you like that as well, I would recommend Ghost Watch, one of my top favorite movies of that style. And then also um, Special Bulletin, which is another uh, movie. I think it was also a TV movie. I could be wrong, uh, but very good. Both very good. So better choices than without warning. But if you've already seen them, without warning is not bad. And then I watched The Bay which is a 2012 docudrama and uh, about a little, you know, a nice little town in Maryland by the bay and how when things seem like it's going to be a nice little July 4th celebration, uh, people start coming down with this strange sort of rash, these like boils break out on their body spontaneously and things start to go downhill quite quickly. I don't know if I'm going to say much more about it because I feel like I want to do an episode on the bay as well. So, uh, uh, yeah, but I would recommend that movie too. But yes, as I just mentioned, the movie I watched was Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. So shocking. So terrifying. So powerful. Night Warning has been named Best Horror Film of the Year by the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror. Billy and Julie, young, innocent, in love. It was all a mistake. They didn't go looking for trouble. They were just too curious. Without knowing, they've uncovered a deadly secret. they've stumbled onto a grisly murder. Now, they know too much to live. A chilling tale of a young boy and girl, innocent victims, now targets of a frenzied obsession with murder. See the award-winning Night Warning. So, okay, here we go. The movie starts with a young little baby being handed off to an aunt or a grandma or someone as the parents are going off for a trip. We immediately see these parents die in a car crash, mainly because it's the, uh, you know, the brakes are out. They're going down this two-lane road on, like, the mountains. It's twisty. It's turny. And the seems the husband dies by ramming into the back of a logging truck, very omen-esque, you know, his head gets popped off uh, when the wood sort of slams into his face, and the mother is in the car, it fall, tumbles off the cliff, she dies, it explodes in case you weren't sure, but yeah, so it's like, oops, well that's bad, that, that kid is just stuck with that lady forever then, um, so we're immediately, you know, fast forwarded 14 years later, this kid is now 17 years old, his name is Billy, 
he's into foot uh, not football he's into basketball and he lives with his clingy aunt his aunt is clearly strange in her like affection and behavior towards him but it just kind of seems like she's overly protective but harmless um so billy playing his basketball gets word that there's going to be a talent scout coming from a college and that the coach thinks he has a really good shot of getting that uh that getting noticed and actually getting a scholarship for that college so that's a good exciting thing for him but when he tells his aunt she uh cheryl she goes into a like real fit about it she doesn't want him to leave ever basically and you could tell she's got some weirdness about her but uh next day comes she's like okay you know whatever good luck basically seems like she got over it perhaps but there's more basically she's like you know i can say this but i'm gonna find some way of keeping him here with me billy so she has him get the tv repairman to come to the house and while the repairman is there alone with cheryl the aunt and yes i say aunt not aunt that's just uh california slang or not slang but california pronunciation anyway so while the repairman is here cheryl tries to get him to fuck her basically he does not he's not taking the advances he's not being seduced he pushes her away um but eventually he um slaps her and so she gets at the knife and stabs him billy's coming home at this time so he gets to see her stab him basically right at that moment comes in takes the knife away from her it's like what is going on and of course uh, cheryl is willing that he tried to rape her but we know that was not the case at all he was rejecting her advances but anyway we know at least that much and i was like oh she's trying to get billy caught up in some drama so he can't leave that's tricky girl the cops arrive there's a detective carlson he doesn't he does not believe that she was a rape victim at all he's very antagonistic and aggressive and thinks immediately that it was billy because the neighbors come over and see billy holding a knife okay yeah i get it and that maybe he's trying to cover or i mean that the aunt is trying to cover for him basically so as it turns out that the detective actually finds out uh the tv repairman you know he had a ring on him and inside the ring it had an inscription that it was like him and someone else and the other person was the basketball coach so the detective has put together that the basketball coach and the dead tv repairman had a relationship a romantic relationship and so now he's on this this bent that okay billy was in on a relationship with one of you as well and so it was gay this gay lovers quarrel thing that happened and that's why billy killed the tv repairman and that's not true obviously we know that wasn't the case but that's what uh detective carlson is now like hellbent on believing that's what it is throughout this we see that um everyone at school finds out about the coach being gay um this movie was made in 1982 so you could expect a lot of use of f-words um and a lot of people being nasty about this whole situation um people insinuating that billy is gay and also you know that the coach is bad or messed up in some way 
So Billy actually is defensive of the coach. Uh, he doesn't see anything wrong with being gay, which is a good thing, of course. But everyone else is still really shitty about it. So Detective Carlson, he just goes to Joey, uh, Billy's girlfriend's house, and he's like, um, hey, does he have sex with you? Because he's trying to prove that Billy's gay, so that's why he's asking, you know, does his girlfriend do it? And of course, the girlfriend does not answer, so Carlson unfortunately takes this to mean, no, they're not doing it, which is wrong and annoying. There's another detective in the police force who's actually doing work. Um, like he found out that it seems the death of Billy's parents was suspect, that it seems like the brakes were tampered with, but Carlson doesn't want to hear anything about it. He's too obsessed with his like gay murder storyline. And it's the night of the, the big ball game where the uh, college scout is going to be there. And unfortunately, Cheryl, she puts something in milk and gives it to Billy. And Billy drinks it because he loves a big glass of milk. You know, as 17-year-old males do. So as he's playing, he's feeling dizzy. He messes up the free throw. It's not a, you know, it's basically this scout wants want nothing to do with Billy after this night. Which is sad. Um, so Billy wakes up the next day. And he's like in this another room and he's like, what's up? And Cheryl's like, hey, you know, it's okay. Um, you hit your head during the basketball game. So like, just stay in bed, you know, don't go to school, don't do anything. Just stay here and let me take care of you, basically. So Cheryl cuts her hair down and this is where you, it's not like she's been totally normal throughout the rest of the movie, but at this point, Cheryl is clearly coming apart, um, cuts all her hair. So she's got this like nice short hairstyle, which I think was what she looked like when she was younger, if I recall correctly. And um, there has been this kind of through line that she's she's got this like uh, altar to some guy named Chuck. Um, and this was like a lover of hers in the past. And she has his body still in this like shed in the back. So it's like, oh God, okay. You know, in case we weren't clear on things, Cheryl has some trouble, some serious trouble. And, you know, what's going to happen next, we don't know, but it's not going to be good. So Billy makes this great genius idea to have Julie go try to talk to Cheryl just to kind of distract her while he goes to try to look at her private things. And, of course, when this happens, Julie is immediately yelled at gets to watch Cheryl tenderize some meat very violently and I'm like if I were her I would have I would leave I know you know Billy had said hey stay here try to distract her but I would leave like Cheryl was putting out signs that something clearly is she's agitated in some way that's dangerous but Julie stays there and she gets a meat tenderizer to the head and I was like oh Julie you were nice um the neighbor, one of the neighbors, Margle. So I thought her name was Margie, Margie, but in the credits it says Margle. So I don't know. I'm just going to call her Margie because that's what it sounded like to me. Anyway, this like, you know, busybody neighbor, but is good hearted, comes over. And I was just like, 
this is going to not go well. She's going to die too. Um, and a pretty funny sequence, you know, when they're getting ready to just sit down at the table. Um, Cheryl opens the fridge and there's blood on it because that's where Julie got bonked. And I'm like, oh my god, this is so ridiculous. This is so silly. Anyway, um, you know, Julie's hidden away, basically. And the nosy neighbor, Margie, Margie, is out and won't leave and I was like screaming like get out of there get out you know you're gonna die if you don't leave get out of there anyway uh she overhears Cheryl talking to Billy which is the she gives a reveal that Cheryl she's actually Billy's mom she's not the aunt um but when she was young she so she had a child with Chuck and that child was Billy but the child ended up being adopted by her sister so it's like okay so that's what happened and so technically this is not your uh, nephew this is your son which makes the weird incestuous overtones worse you know uh, <laughs> not that they were good before but they're worse now we find out Julie's still alive and I was like yeah girl um, but unfortunately, Margie is sliced um, while trying to kind of escape, I think, or just trying to find something. I don't know, but she was kind of like wandering around. She gets killed. The good detective, the one who's actually been researching and trying to find out information, instead of just assuming one thing and going along with that forever, first gets his hand sliced off, then he gets his neck slit. So he's dead too. Then there's this big, dramatic, long-winded fight uh, a water tussle I wrote in my notes between Julie and Cheryl they're fighting and it seems we don't see the conclusion but we do see Julie getting hit in the head with rocks so I was like oh man that's that now <laughs> so Billy's coming down the stairs drugged still from milk but he's coming down and um Cheryl's there she tries to strangle him with a phone cable but in this struggle, Billy stabs her with a letter opener. It's like, whoa. I've never thought about it, but I guess they are sharp and like pointy at the end. I guess if you had enough force, you could do that. Oh, I don't want to think about it. She's not dead, though, of course, in tra traditional horror movie fashion. She gets up for another go until he finally follows it up with a fire poker through the stomach. And then she's dead. Billy calls uh, Coach because he's like, I need your help. Uh, I just killed my mother. Coach comes. I don't know that I would just come like that. I would probably call the police. I don't know. Anyway, the coach, coach arrives. And this is, of course, around the same time that the detective comes. And uh, this detective, I finally put together. It took a long time for me. But it's clear that the detective Carlson is not really acting as a detective he's just acting as a man with power who hates gay people and it took me a long time to realize that until this sequence basically and i'm like okay so always cheryl was an obvious villain a killer obsessive billy but detective carlson is also a villain he's a villain in the guise of you know the police department and homophobia because he doesn't care 
what anyone says or that even when Julie comes back because she's not dead, she says look in the basement or whatever to confirm that because that's where the dead body would be and stuff that would confirm that it was Cheryl who's the killer, not, not Billy, even though, you know, with the coach being there, Detective Carlson had even more reason to believe, okay, yes, clearly these two are in a relationship together, you know. Um, so even with the potential evidence available, he doesn't want to hear it. He just wants to get these gay people, basically. And people he assumes are gay because Billy, we don't know, is gay. And if anything, he'd probably be bi. Um, but anyway, the cop is just a homophobe. But fortunately, Billy's able to get his gun when he's going to try to shoot um, the coach and shoots the cop instead. So he's dead. And I was like, good, but also tragic because now Billy's going to go to jail because he killed the detective and blah, blah, blah. Um, the movie ends, but we do get a quick coda uh, in the credits that say Billy was acquitted under like temporary insanity, which you could definitely understand that uh, as well because he's just been around all these people dying. So I was like, okay, good. He gets away. He gets he gets to you know he never did anything anyway. He was innocent in this whole situation, so he gets to continue on with his life. So I was like, okay, that's good. And I thought this was a really quite good movie in a way. Um, some people would probably really hate it because of the superb overacting on the part of Cheryl. Um, she's very much giving her all um, in ways that are weird. And if I had watched this movie in a group, it'd probably be a lot more comedic than it was. But as is, I was just like very stuck to my seat. I was, you know, out loud telling the characters to do stuff like when the neighbor was there and kept staying in the house I was like get out of there leave you're gonna die you know I was just saying this to her which I usually don't do because I've seen obviously I've seen so many horror movies I know they're not gonna get away or they're not gonna think logically but this movie just got me into that mood so it was fun um I think it's interesting because one of the reasons I wanted to see this movie for so long is because it's been marketed to me as a queer film. And I took that to mean that the protagonist or someone is, is queer. And that's not really the case in this movie. Billy's not, as far as I can tell, he doesn't seem to be gay. Um, he may be bi, pan, whatever, but he doesn't seem to be gay. And there's no there's no real explanation otherwise that like he does actually like men. Um, he just seems like he is a good person who is not a homophobe um who sticks up for gay people which is great i love an ally and but it's like a surrounding narrative where this detective is so obsessed thinking that this isn't some sort of psychotic gay murder story or something um and that his and everyone else's homophobia is depicted negatively and that's why it's a queer movie. And I like that in a way because it's, it's okay, again, this is the early 80s. I don't know how often movies at the, in the early 80s would be presenting homophobia as bad, but also, I don't know, but I don't know. Because sometimes in some movies, certainly there were times where, you know, 
gay characters are depicted as um, relatable, but it's like a tragedy then befalls them. And you're like, oh, that's so sad. That's, you know, that's what happens type of thing, which is unfortunate that it's such a common depiction. So I don't know, but I thought it was a very interesting film and I would recommend it. I would recommend it quite a bit, though I don't know how easy it is to access currently. I don't think it's on streaming. I know I always tried to find it on streaming and it was never available. Um, I got it from the Code Red Blu-ray and that might be out of print, but it was available at Diabolic DVD, so that's why where I got it. But I couldn't find it anywhere else. Like it seemed like out of stock in other places. So yeah, that's a way to get it. If you do get this uh, Blu-ray from Code Red, it has uh, I think it has like a director's commentary or a uh, commentary from the producer slash writer, um, and another audio commentary, some interviews with the different actors, and that's really it. Um, I thought it was fun and I would say you know if you get a chance to watch it it's probably worth it especially with a group might be more fun but yeah uh, that was a butcher baker nightmare maker so that's all for this episode of all of them witches thank you for listening and we'll be back soon with another horror movie